podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiacos FC and Greek football. The first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year. When I, I spoke with Kevin, if I gonna sign or no for Olympiacos, I say you are crazy good deal, like my friend. I can't speak, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Gate 7 International Podcast. We have a very special guest and a very special episode tonight. We're going to be talking about Euro 2004, which has reached the 18-year anniversary. Costa, I will pass it to you to introduce our guest tonight. Well, thank you very much, Labro. So good to be here. Uh, this is an episode I've been looking forward to for a long time. Today marks uh, the 18th anniversary of me pinching myself, still asking myself, did we actually do this? Did we actually win Euro 2004? And there's no one better to take us through this than the man with the best seat in the house at that time, Costas Vernikos, aka The Voice of Euro 2004. Costa, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Pleasure to be with you. It is, the pleasure is all ours. Uh, and uh, it, it is amazing. It's been 18 years already. We're still pinching ourselves. And this is the time where we go back uh, and, and have a look at it. Labro, over to you, pal. Yeah, that, that, I means, that, that means that uh, I'm very old now. Eh? You're not old. <laughs> You're not old. You're not old. It's, it's like yesterday. It's always like yesterday these days. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess and my I our first, I, yeah. I think I think that till the end of our life, it should be like yesterday, even if there are 18, 28, 38, I don't know, 50 years. Uh, always it will be amazing. Always in our memories, it will remain minute by minute from the Portugal miracle. But not only in Portugal, from the beginning of this adventure, from 2002 until 4th July of 2004. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so I, I guess we'll start by just uh, asking, what is the, the feeling you have every time this anniversary comes back on July 4th? What do you think is your favorite memory that may come back do you do you have one from from the magical run that that was euro 2004 oof good question eh? and difficult to answer believe me because uh i can tell you now that i haven't seen the video after 2004 never i have the i have the let's say the tape with the six different matches the edition which is everywhere in the world now available to to everyone but uh, i cannot see it again i cannot it was uh, there are okay there are some people living with memories i don't want to live with memories i want to live the, the time the minute the moment especially every moment and uh, 2004 was a big row of uh, moments, unforgettable. And uh, sometimes during this 
18 years period, some nights I couldn't sleep. I started remember the names of the players by numbers. Number one, Nikopolidis. Number two, Seitaridis. Number three, Venetidis. Number four, Dabizas. Till the time I can sleep calm and easily. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Last time I did it was last week. <laughs> I should try it as well. Maybe I should, I should give it a go. If I remember correctly, you were assigned with covering all of Greece's Euro 2004 qualifiers for ERT, and there were a lot of signs of what was coming. In my opinion, personally, it all started after that 1-0 victory over Spain. It was Otto Rehagel's first big scalp, and it was the game that silenced his critics that wanted him out. I remember Yanis Kirastas, the late great Yanis Kirastas and his assistant Stratos Apostolakis were at the stands. You covered Greece during the dark times when it was ran by a bunch of outsiders instead of the manager, a period former EPO president Vasilis Gagatsis described as a traveling troop. The second point, the second night, the afternoon to be on exact, was in uh, Saragossa. Saragossa, okay, I was there with uh, the national team. It was a charter flight. Uh, Zaragoza is close to Barcelona. In uh, Iberia, it was very, very hot time, summertime. Difficult situation for a commentator in a stadium which was not so modern, having uh, special booths or something like that. It was a traditional Spanish uh, stadium. I don't think that someone from the players, from the fans, from the coaching staff, would believe before the match that we could win the Spain. Spain was, and will be forever, one of the most uh, crucial power people in the football. And they approved that after 2004, 2008, 2010, 2012, they were dominators not only in European, but in the international, global level for football. But uh, that day in Saragossa, uh, the God was again with, uh, over the Greek clouds. And uh, this was the time Otto Rehagel decided to make Yanakopoulos on a special movement in the field. Because Yanakopoulos always was playing in the right place of the wing. At that time, if you remember the time of the goal, he was on the left side and he turned around to the middle and then scoring. One of the key decisions of uh, Otto Rehagel on a tactical way to change the wingers from the one side to the other side and make them not only making crosses, but shooting and decision pointers. After that, in the charter flight of the returning, there was a different feeling. You could smell it. But, uh, okay, I'm not, uh, after the end of the game, everybody can be a magician and knows everything, etc. Oh no, I cannot say that after Saragossa game, we could believe that Greek would be the champions in Europe. Of course, but it was the changing minute of the mentality, of the approach to the game, of everything. 
in the coaching staff, medical staff, players, media people, all of them. Yeah. No, it's a interesting point because our very longtime listeners will remember we interviewed uh, Stelios about that. And he told us that he didn't want to actually play on the left. He was quite surprised, I think, a bit upset. He was, how is this going to work? I always play on the right. So it's an interesting story how he worked out, how he wasn't so happy about it. But he, he told us he trusted the coach and it ended up being one of the key turning points um, for Europe 2004, you could say. So yeah. it's really interesting. Sure. Yeah. So I guess we, we could we could jump into Otto Rehago. Let, when, when, let, let me yeah. ask you, both of you, what did you do at that night in Zaragoza? Where you were and what did you do? Well, I was at home in my uh, watching it by myself. My family, my family is not a football loving. They're they're not football fans. I'm the only football fan in the family, so I was watching the game alone, and uh, I was just expecting Spain, you know, to destroy us, to annihilate us. And when that happened, that's when I believed we are going through. And looking back at it, like I said, that's the game where the Piratico took off. Some people say England, but. That was the game where the Piratico was really bored. And allow me to introduce you to our other member of Gate 7 International. This is Costa Levoyani. Uh, Costa, to another Costa. How are you, my that... friend? Calispera. Oh, my God. We have three Costadinos now, don't we? Have... I'm normally yes. Costa with the C. There's Costa with the K. Now we have a very honorable guest. I'm sorry to be late. I um, took some time putting the kids down to bed. But um, I could not miss this discussion because I was actually at two of the games in Portugal, uh, including the final. So I'm very excited to, to have this opportunity to, to be part of the discussion. It's a real honor for us to have you on the show. So thanks. Uh, and sorry to be late. Uh, continue, guys. I'll jump in. Well, well, he asked us a question. Where were you guys in Saragossa, uh, at that night in Saragossa? Uh, you know, I was watching I was watching the game at home with my dad in London. Um, I mean, at the time, obviously, we had absolutely no idea the significance of, of that game and Stelios' goal. Uh, and as as um, Mr. Vernico was just saying, I mean, that's pretty much kind of huge, massive turning point for the national team in terms of actually getting us one step closer to the Euro because we had to beat Ireland, didn't we? Northern uh, Ireland. No Northern Ireland in the last game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this later on in the discussion. You know, we can ask ourselves the question, you know, like, where were you when we won it? Or where were you when we played the French? And which game was the turning point in the Euro? And I'm sorry, I'm going off script now. Um, but um, what what was the turning point for you, I think? When, when do you think you realise that we can actually go on to win this thing? Because I, I, I'll, I'll tell you my story, because I went, I went to two games. I went to the France game and I went to the final. Um, at the France game, I felt like I was just a tourist, you know, there for a good time. We're playing against the best team in the world at the time. I think they were the world champions, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, and... We beat them, you know, and I, I, I always say to my friends, I remember that game. That game had more of an impact on me than the final itself. Because when I got to the final, I was confident that we were going to win. But that, that's 
that, that, that was my feeling. So the France game for me is something I will never forget. Uh, obviously the final too, but that for me was when I thought, wow, we can actually, it, it's, meant, it's meant to be. Okay. Be before going to the Portugal, let me add another point for the qualification round. Because uh, as you remember very well, it was not only the qualification round uh, in the history of, of Greek athletes at that time, it was also the preparation period for the Olympic Games. And this was very important for the Greek national team because, first of all, Karaiskaki Stadium was not existing. It was demolished and starting to rebuild from the scratch. And at the same time, the Olympic Stadium was not in use because we were trying to create the Calatrava a project and everything to be ready for the opening ceremony and the Olympic Games in Athens. So uh, the national team used uh, the stadium of Panathinaikos in uh, Apostolos Nikolaidis. And uh, in the beginning, it was not so full sold out in all games, but after Saragossa and going to the last games with Ireland, everybody was in the stadium. I don't want to make any comparison with the games of national team today or the last time in the Olympic Stadium or in other stadiums. But uh, at that time, Stadium uh, Apostolos Nikolaidis was sold out in all national team games as we were going towards Portugal. And now we are going to Portugal. Okay, we won two times Portugal, but now it seems to be easy. It was not. Do you remember who won the Champions League at 2004? Porto. Porto with Mourinho. Porto was the number one club in Europe. And the majority of the players of Porto was, were Portuguese national team players. The base of the, of the team of the national team. And they won Champions League. And the previous year in, uh, or the next, I don't remember well, the Europa League or something like the that. The previous, or, yeah. Or, Mourinho did a little Europa League and then Champions League. Right. And we went there to play against Portugal in their home, Dragao. Okay. The main target, because we cannot forget what happened in the United States mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was just to score one goal. Yep. Because having gone to United States World Cup 10-0 in three games. Another big competition, another European at that time, not world competition like Euro. And the first target was to score. We need only 10 minutes to do that. Yeah. 10 or 11, I don't remember well, with uh, Yorgos Karagounis when he decided to score against Portugal. Okay, we did it. Minute by minute, as we were going to, to, to the end of first half, hey, we were questioned by ourselves. Can we do it or not? The majority say, ah, 
Okay, we started well, but it's long time till the end of the match. Ronaldo, the other players. But suddenly, 0-2. Unexpected. Miracle. I don't remember how it was in the in the commentary position. Dragao was a very huge stadium and we were in the top of the stadium, but having a good view. Yanis Daras, remember the reporter of uh, ERT, was in the field of play and he was giving us all information from the Greek bench and the reactions of there. Uh, as the, 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 the time was passing and we were towards the final, suddenly Ronaldo was scoring 2-1. Yeah. It was only one or two minutes, if I remember well. Till the, till, yeah, very late. But we felt very anxious. We've seen so many different matches in a top, top level. Do you remember the last match in, uh, in Bernabeu during Champions League this season? Real Madrid against uh, City, Chelsea or Manchester City. What happened in the, in the last minute? Yes, Rodrigo. Yeah. You were there. You were calling the guy that game. Yes, I was there. I was very lucky. I'm a very lucky at that eh? <laughs> to be there. But uh, first match, three points. The best starting result for the tournament. The administration of uh, ERT uh, did my itinerary. And uh, I was planning to be there three days before the kickoff of the first match and be back in Athens after the third match of the group stage. Because, because to be honest, everyone believed that, okay, three matches, it's enough. Be back. Second match, Stadium Bessa. In, Port, uh, in, in the same city, Porto. And uh, I remember that as another point you can add in the discussion to understand how Greek people in the beginning couldn't believe that we could do a successful result in the tournament. I was alone in the first match as a commentator. Only myself and Yanis Daras. And then with the Mr. second Ronaldo match, joined. yes, the second match I was not alone. Nikos was coming, and we did together the broadcast of the game against uh, Spain. Tough match. Moriendes, in the beginning, did everything he would like to do in our defense, but. At the end, it was 1-1. Yep. 1-1 versus... So, we played in the area of Iberia against the two countries, Portugal and Spain, dominators in the European football, traditionally, and we got four points. Yep. Three plus one. 
Yes, it was amazing. And we're going to get to the Russia game because we do have questions for all the matches, actually. Uh, but obviously, you know, you cannot explain the miracle of Euro 2004 without, you know, bringing up Otto Rehagel. And I think Labro has a very good point, uh, a very good question about that. Don't you, Labro? Yeah, I was, I was just wondering kind of if you can give us some uh, background into Otto Rehagel because something we were discussing when we were thinking about Euro 2004 but also asking questions was the background of Otto Rehagel and how good of a coach he was in the Bundesliga. I think he was one of the most winning coaches in the history of the Bundesliga, has some of the most wins. And he also had a miracle in the Bundesliga. He, I think, was it he won the... Yeah, with I, as we all know the names. He won, the Bund- he won three Bundesligas. One of them was a miracle with Kaiser Slautern, who he brought from yeah. the second division to the Bundesliga. Exactly. And basically, we basically want to know how you experienced Otto Heigl in the tournament. The most appropriate person to answer to this question is Yanis Daras. Mm-hmm. Because he was very close to Otto Heigl. He was uh, very close to the dressing room of the Greek national team was watching all press conferences, the preparation time. He was with the national team in the training session in uh, Switzerland or and, uh, Liechtenstein, if I remember well, they did the preparation before traveling to Portugal. And uh, in, in another meeting, maybe he could explain to you much better how Otto did that. Uh, I know that after 2010 and uh, during the Merkel period and the all memorandum and happened in the Greek economy, the majority of uh, the Greek people was hating everything concerning and uh, affected with Germany, except Otto Hagel. He is the person, the most loved German guy in Greece. I think that, and uh, I think he also mentioned in sometimes, he's not a German, he's a Greek. He's a Greek hero with a German name. He did something very simple because before the tournament, all, everybody, from the media point of view, from the fans, uh, other coaches, Everybody was criticized very strong, the national team. We had so many losing games, 1-5. And then, as always happened in the Greek mentalities, come the catastrophe and disaster for everything. Uh, all players are useless. Uh, they get the money without uh, any value with that and everything in the big titles and newspapers. And then uh, Otto Rehagel did a meeting with the players and he said very simple words. Everybody is very critical against all of us. We can do, we have two options. The first one is to resign and go home. And the second one is to fight, but to fight as a team, not as individuals. Because in the history of Greek football, we had many talented players playing as individuals very well, but never as a team. That was the first time Otto Rehagel convinced the players 
to play together as a team. All for one, one for all and all for one. And uh, we've seen that in the field of play, very, very often watching players not in their position. Katsuranis in, in a several tactical roles in the field of play. Seitaridis, not only as a right fullback, but sometimes having uh, marked... back. Yes, tough players. Kapsis against the Czech giant Koller. of two meters, Koller. Jan Koller. Yeah, so many times. And the one close to the other, covering space, tactically, very close the one to the other. And... Uh, Okay, we can discuss so many times about the tactical, if it was a good team or not a good team, the performance, the, the show, so or well or not, or offensive or defensive or so many. But the key point for Otto Rehangel was the mentality. The mind game with the players. How he could convince them to believe that they can beat Zinedine Zidane and the other stars of the French team. And they did it. Yep. Sometimes in the past, very good fellow players from the Greek national teams told us that, ah, we went play against, uh, let's say, England, and we would like an autograph from David Beckham or someone else, or Gerd Miller in Germany. No, Ottore Hagel told them, we will beat them they will come to ask autograph from you. Yes, and they did it. Isn't and they did it very well. I think there's a story that came out as well about Rehagel speaking with Seitaridis before the first game against Portugal. And I think he, he grabbed Seitaridis and he said to him, everybody's talking about Ronaldo at the beginning of this game. Yeah. But at the end of this, by the end of this game, everybody's going to be talking about you. So he had a yep. great way of getting into the head of the players. And actually, players. Ronaldo, Ronaldo had an interview. Ronaldo had an interview before the game, and they asked him, "Do you know uh, which player are you most afraid of from Greece?" And he said, "I don't know any one of them." And Rajkali said, "Ronaldo doesn't know any one of you." And he went to say that because he was going to mark him. And he said, "After this, no one's going to be talking about Ronaldo. Everybody's going to be talking about all of you." Yep, it's true. It's true. After that, no, I think Ronaldo, uh, maybe until today, he can remember some of them. I think I seem to remember someone crying at that final. Not too sure yeah. who it was. I'll have another look afterwards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I spoke to Yorgos Karagounis last year, and he told me Greece dealt with various disadvantages compared but, to the but, bigger. Sorry. But sorry, not to say anything sure. against Ronaldo. Ronaldo is a very, uh, is a lover of the Greek. Of Greece, of this country. He's coming very often in Greece for holidays in uh, Peloponnese and with his family, everything. He's a very, very uh, nice man out of the field of play. And uh, okay, after that, don't forget that he was very young. Eh? After he was, that, yeah, his, 17, his, car his career went to the stars. Yeah, he was very young indeed. Amazing uh, player. Incredible player. I spoke, as I said, I spoke to Karagounis uh, last year, and we, he told me about major disadvantages Greece had compared to their bigger, richer, and more entitled opponents. 
Uh, he told me that the players had to find local gyms in the area to work out because that wasn't available to them. What kind of other disadvantages did you notice? Nothing. You didn't. In, in comparison with uh, the situation of the Greek football before, then, or after the tournament. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. They were working hard. Uh, the training under their teams was before, it was till the end of the Greek championship. And then all of them went to Switzerland for training. Uh, it was not only Otto Rehagel, it was the whole structure and the team. The assistant, Greek one. Yanis Topalidis. Yes. The assistant was not only the tactical assistant, but the translator mm -hmm. talking to the players what uh, Otto Rehagel would like to tell them. And I think that sometimes he, the translation was not exactly what Otto said. I think that uh, Topalidis did uh, the best according to the time and to the stressful period they had to face especially before the match in the dressing room or during the actions and the, 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 anything else they would like to tell. Also the medical staff, mm -hmm. the medical staff and the physio and the gym and everything. In the past, I cannot remember how many times I hear that, oh, they play in uh, Premier League. They can run 200 minutes. They are playing in the Greek champions and they maybe can run very fast for 45 minutes and then they collapse and that's all. Do you remember what happened in the extra time against Czech? Yeah. It was a very tough 90 minutes game, but for the next 15 minutes of the first and last half of the extra time, Greece was the dominator in the field of play. Mm -hmm. And Greek players running better and uh, stable in the stadium in comparison with the Czech. Physical condition, much better. For the first time in history of the Greek football. And for our young fans, because we do have a lot of young viewers, uh, something about Topalidis' translation, it's not that it was inaccurate, it's that Rehagel would be tough on a player and would tell him, you were terrible, and Topalidis would ease it down. He would say, listen, you did that, we did not like it, next time do it like that. He wouldn't tell him in Greek, you're terrible. He would ease it up. That's, that was the genius of Yanis Topalidis. Yes. It was like a, a cultural translator, wasn't it, yeah. basically? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, taking the meaning, but giving it in a, yeah, from German into Greek. It's like, okay, this is how I'm going to say something to a Greek. So it's very emotionally. True. Uh, Costa? I was going to say that I'm just, because I, I, I was born in England. Uh, I grew up in, in London. So you can imagine, 
you, you know what English Which fan is your favorite team? Uh, I'm a Tottenham fan in England. Not Nottingham. <laughs> well, we have we, we have some uh, we have some like for Nottingham Forest the last couple of years for for reasons related to to our number one love which is Olympiacos but you know I think I'm a Tottenham fan because I we win too much in Greece so I thought I'm going to support team in England <laughs> that maybe that maybe isn't so prolific but but anyway um the, the, what what did I want to say in England like a big part of the fan base they never seem to like just give credit where credit's due there was a lot of talk about like you know um there were headlines like uh for football portugal should win or like just a lot of negativity about about greece oh this is what i wanted to say one of the excuses about the czech republic game was that uh the greek players they don't play in their teams uh, like Garagunis wasn't a starter at uh, at Inter, or a lot of the players that played abroad, they weren't starters for their team. So there were these excuses, like in England and even in Greece, that the team was so physically prepared because the players apparently they hadn't been playing for their teams as much as you know the Czechs had been playing in in their clubs. Like, what 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 do you say to that? Uh, look, it, it it is very. Technical question. I'm not an expert on that, and I don't want to be expert in something I'm not. So I I don't avoid to answer, but maybe someone else could uh, tell it better than me. But if we want to stay and be honest in the, in this game, the crucial point of this game was uh, the injured time of uh, Nedved. Yeah. Yeah. Very early. I think uh, before the 20 minutes of the match and uh, in the previous 15 minutes Czech national team was dominating in the in the in the field of play having this uh, maestro netvent doing everything and uh, as a tempo maker as a playmaker he, he did everything in the team but uh, suddenly he was injured at that time there there were many many people in uh, Greece, in the stadium, their house, in the country, in abroad, that they were thinking the same. And you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Somebody says, oh, God is with Greece. Thank you, Costa Katsouranis, for taking him out. He did a very good job marking him, actually. Yeah, no, uh, we, we cannot say that even <laughs> as a joke because Costas is a very good player and uh, one of the clean players without, uh, let's say, dirty uh, motions in the, in, the, in the field of play. It was a, a very unlucky time for this great player, Pavel Nedvent. And very lucky for the Greek national team. Very, very lucky moment for us. Because even if you are the number one, not only in football, in business, in, in everything, without uh, the feeling of, uh, of lucky time, you cannot do anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we have to work hard, but uh, sometimes you need that. And this is the reason because the majority of the stars, not only in Greece, but anywhere 
in a sports planet are very superstitious. Very superstitious. And not only the owners, coaches, players, everyone. Because uh, they know that they can play excellent, but they cannot score. Or otherwise, maybe it's a very bad day, but from a triangle, they can score and that's all. Yeah. Uh, but before we got to, uh, to people calling us, you know, anti-football and etc., there was a lot, they, were, they underestimated us a lot. I remember Caraguni saying that Cristian Vieri at Inter would tease him, telling we're going to concede four goals from Portugal, four goals from Spain, and maybe just two from Russia. Taiki Suisas, who played for Benfica at the time, he told his teammates that no one even acknowledged us. What do you remember everyone in Portugal saying about us when you arrived before the first game with Portugal? Before the first match? Yeah, what were they saying about us? What were you hearing about us? The majority of the Portuguese media were ready for a triumph in the kick after the kickoff and uh, the best starting for conquering the tournament starting very well and then they thought having porto in their mind as a champions of europe a club a portuguese club is a champions league winner national team now will be the winner of european competition they thought that uh, they could win greek team easy In sports, the worst thing is to underestimate the opponent, and they did it. Big mistake. Huge mistake. You never underestimate anyone in the life. Absolutely. Yep. So simple. No, it's a good point. Uh, it was a good point. Lambos, and, what do you think? Yeah, now it's my turn to ask. Actually, I, I should say too, I was six years old when this happened, so I need to be real honest. I'm like, I was six. I was six years old. I'm 24 years old. I'm 24 years old. So I'm not gonna be like I was on my couch and I was ready. I but I'm older in, than me. I was uh I was in Athens though, uh during the six years old. What what can you remember exactly? But Are you were in Athens. I was yeah, yeah, I was there. And uh I remember watching the games and I remember how quiet was on the street, like uh where we stay is in Pagrati on a main road near Pagrati, and the road is always full, taxi drivers honking, the normal, right? Any main street in Athens. And it was dead quiet. There was no, you couldn't hear anything. And then you would hear your commentary, but then if a goal went in, the street blew up. Like it was incredible. I don't know. I'd never experienced anything like that where you're sitting in your own home and everyone is doing the same thing in every house. So that, that's you were in Athens. You were in Athens the 4th of July? Not the 4th of July, uh, to a week no. or two prior. I wasn't there for the, the final. Nobody, no one of you were in Athens then. I was. You were there. For the so whole you are thing. the best. You are the best to describe us what happened after the the, the final because 
I haven't lived that. I was in Portugal. I hear so many things, but I don't know what happened. Well, we're going to get to that, but Labro, uh, Labro touched on your commentary. Uh, yeah, I, 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 we, we can talk about that, but I want to ask about your commentary because one thing I do remember was how vivid it was. It was like almost a fan was giving the commentary. You know, it would be like if I was in the Kariskaki giving the Olympiakos commentary, maybe I would have sworn a bit more if someone missed a pass or something. But your commentary was so vivid, you know, it was like almost the emotions everyone else was feeling. And how did it, that come to you? Do you remember ever commentating on something in a similar fashion than those those games then? Uh, it was a difficult question to answer before the game, before the tournament, because until then, uh, the majority of the commentators, respectful commentators from the history of the Greek television, were very keen to be, let's say, completely independent on every team, especially in the Greek championship, but also during the national team and the national and the big events. From the other side, it was not another time in the past giving you the, the point to, to celebrate because Greek national team haven't in the past any positive top-level games in the history. That was the, the, the moment. And the question was, what can we do now? Using the, tradi the traditional style of commentating or not? And the answer was automatically happen in the stadium. Because I decided not to be a fan in the stadium, but to make people living in London or in Athens or in Melbourne or anywhere else to spend the time on the best way. Like one of them, what did you do if you was in my position? I think the same. Yeah, no, you can't. There's no other. Also, it's not like your favorite football team or something. It's your country. Is are you going to yeah. be neutral against the Czech Republic? What? It makes yeah. no sense. Honestly, it makes no sense. It, really? really? I, I don't know. I agree completely. I don't think anyone would do anything else. The, the difficult the difficult time for us was uh, in the beginning. As you mentioned before, in the final, everybody was fully confident that we could win. No stress, nothing at all, believe me. Nothing. Uh, how? Just, just waiting the 60-something minute. We knew how it could pass the time, okay? Defense, defend well no chances to the opponent, and then someone, maybe Haristeas, maybe someone else, would score and uh, win the game. Can you, like you mentioned, I mean, you were there for three games. The tickets that they bought for you from Ert, they were for the first three games, and then you were going back to, going back to Greece. Yes. We all know how it panned out. And it probably ruined your holiday plans. But the question I wanted to ask you was if you can describe, 
like three words or like, you know, what are the words that come to, to your mind in terms of the emotions that you were feeling? Because you were, I mean, we're talking about your commentary. So you're commentating and the emotions are just going absolutely crazy. You're there the first game beating Portugal and then the Iberian rivals in Spain, like you said, like, could you, can you put it into words? Like one, two, like three words emotions what emotions are going through your head when you're when you're commentating like is it disbelief is it euphoria what was it what was it for you difficult to describe on by words in any language <laughs> yes yes i was coming back to greece after the third match the day after the match first of all uh, I don't want to forget the third match, the only one losing, for two reasons. The first one is that in the tribune of uh, the stadium in uh, Algarve, south coastal zone of uh, Portugal, in the, the tribune, the fans of the tribune were the most beautiful I ever seen in a stadium, Russian and Greek women <laughs> in the stadium. The majority of them, because they were in the south of Portugal, as you know, they are traveling so many people in the past and even now, and they were in, uh, in all Faro, Algarve restriction, uh, sorry, region there. And all of them went to the stadium. I don't think that there was ticketing problem because Russian and Greece playing in Portugal, you never have a problem, especially when the stadium is in the middle of nowhere. Portuguese government did a construction of a stadium. I don't know why in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what happened there now because there's no football team close to the stadium. Nothing at all. But in the stadium, uh, it was difficult to, to watch the game because <laughs> so many beautiful people in, in, the, in the tribune. But I will never forget in my life 87 minutes of this game. The score was 2-1 for Russia. Enough to qualify. But if the score should be 3-1, next day we can get the plane traveling back to Greece. And I don't know if you remember this minute, 87 minute, having the, the cross from the right side of the stadium and the ball was passing in front and between so many Greek and Russian players if one of them could touch the ball, it should be in the net. But nobody touched the ball. And then, oof. You remember that? I, I do. For, for me, it was the, the, the most crucial minute of the tournament. 87, 2-1, if you have the video, Watch again. I mean, 
that was a scary game because you thought we'd done the difficult job in the first two games. You're you're absolutely right, and then you're you're there and until was Vrizas, I think, scored the 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 goal. Until Vrizas yeah, scored the, the end goal. of the first half, yeah. And we, I mean, we were we were going out. I mean, the, the the other game was in parallel, but I yeah, like you said, it's it was scary. It was scary to think. Uh, what what could have happened? Absolutely, I don't remember that specific incident though. But I think we were all we were all biting our nails, and we didn't have any depth <laughs> by the end of that game. Uh, convinced you that we're winning this if there was such a game. Uh, France, mm. match against France. Without any doubt, it was the the, the the most specific game, and it's it's if if you can win the champions of Europe. The team of Zidane, Michelele, Henri, Barthez. You can win everything. That kind of goes back to my my rant at the beginning, off script, uh, about the France game. I celebrated that Haristea's goal more than I did in the final. But there's another story to that because in the sorry, in the final, again, I was with my dad, and at the beginning of the the, the Portugal game. He he says to me, I was I was 18 at the time. He says to me, It's like the boat's coming towards us. It's like that's a good, you know, it's a sign, uh, a positive sign. And I, I I was already confident. I thought we've got this far, like this is gonna happen, it's meant to be. But right before the corner, was it Basinas goes to take the corner after say that either wins the corner? Yeah. And before Basinas even takes it, my dad does one of those things where he goes, and I mean then. And then he crosses the ball in and, you know, goal goes in and then I'm just there like this. I literally, I didn't scream, I didn't celebrate, didn't anything. I just sat there and I looked at my dad and then I looked at the pitch and looked around me and everything that was going on. I just couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. Like For me, the France game was absolutely turning point. Uh, or in terms of like that feeling that we can go on to win this, we just beat. France and I think I was wrong. They lost to Italy in the end, didn't they? In two thousand and two. But but still, like you said, Zidane, Henri, Vieira, Petit, Lizarazu, Sagnol, Bartes. Uh, they, they had Viltord come on. It was a ri ridiculous team that we beat. <laughs> the what can I say? Uh... When I, when we, if I haven't watched, as I told you before, the the whole video of all the games, but I've seen many, many times against Czech. Uh, not only your father, but uh, everyone in the stadium, and maybe everyone all over the world watching the Greek game and supporting the Greek team. Was thinking exactly the same. Na benena gol tora na figume. I don't know how to describe that, but it was the positive energy, the aura of all these people. Because at the same time, all people were thinking the same the same thing. One hundred five minutes, last minute of the first. Uh, half of extra time and uh, 
it was so so let's say desirable because of the moment we would like to finish the, the match at this time because the Czech team was excellent and maybe everybody thought the same if we can play other 15 minutes maybe they could equalize or they could win us but now it's the time let's score and go on and that happened that's life that's the momentum that's maybe i don't know what do you think of that to me the czech republic game was the um the one that convinced me we were winning the title because yeah france was one game but the czech republic was so good pavel nedved was incredible and afterwards we got uh, portugal instead of the netherlands who beat us 4-0 in a friendly before the euros so i thought to myself it's happening I, that was the turning point for me that's when i was convinced we're winning this after the czech not after the france no no it was after the czech republic i thought the czech republic would would beat us but uh, okay. after uh, after that victory even after nedved got injured i wasn't convinced we were going to eliminate them. But after that, I, I was convinced. That was the, the only match I knew we were going to win. Euro 2004 was Portugal at the final. Okay. So. I expect it. No, but it's very interesting that um, it was France, the, the game that you thought we were going to win. And I was wondering, uh, since there was confidence within you that we're going to win this, were you planning on delivering any lines on your commentary? Like, Stonevdo Moura, no Adelfia. Was that something that you planned or did you just leave everything? No, 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 nothing at all. I've never planned anything. The only, uh, the only one we are doing and I'm doing in every match I can commentate is the, the pre-match, uh, let's say, introduction. From uh, three minutes before the kickoff until the kickoff time. After that, there is no plan at all. No, no, no. You cannot make the plan for me. I don't know what others are doing, but uh, everything was coming at the moment. Nothing uh, written, nothing uh, pre-scheduled, nothing at all. Yeah. And I got to ask you, like, when uh, after full time, after full time in the final, Greece were officially the European champions. And that was a, an outrageous statement that you had, alas, not Greece the absolute underdog were the European champions. What was going through your mind? What you were, you were the one that had to talk to us and tell us what's happening. What was, how were you feeling? What was going through your mind? You cannot think something like that at that time. At that time, you are living the moment together with the fans, together with the players, together with everyone. And you can say the first thing is coming to your mind. And the first thing was coming to my mind was that this was the summer of Greek, the summer of Greek sports, the summer of football and the summer of the Olympic Games. And don't forget that this triumph in football was the key point also for the positive approach to the Olympic Games. Because until then, it was very negative atmosphere and uh, approach for the coming Olympic Games. Scandals, discussions, uh, why will be ready or not, what will be done, we cannot do it, a very small country. But at the time we were the champions of Europe, 
in the mentality of the Greek people was, oh, we can do everything. Let's go now to make the best Olympic Games in the history. And we did it. And we did it. And we did it very well. The bad thing is that we couldn't keep something positive after that. Yeah. In football and in all sports. And this is the misery. This is the this is very pity for us, for our friends, for our kids, for everyone, for the legacy. You hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head, and that's after I was I was working very hard in this summer because I was working also for the preparation of the Olympic Games, and after the end of the Olympic Games and before the opening of the Paralympic Games in September, I had one week. Free, and I was I don't remember in uh, one week holidays out of Athens, and at that time was the first match of the national team against Albania, mm-hmm. if you remember, and we lost. We lost two one or two. Yes, because sometimes in life is more difficult to handle the success than the failure. Mm-hmm. It's easier to to face the failure because you can make something against that. You take the lessons, learn something, and make the best. But to handle the success and especially in a very top level was very difficult. And we've seen that after two thousand four July fourth. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, other countries, other countries having, let's say, a better organization and tradition and education and the system in football like Spain, they did it because Spain was failed during 2004. But then they started to create a new team and they were dominators in 2008, 2012, 2010. They did everything. And until now, they are in the top level, as always, because this is the Spanish football. For Greece, it was a miracle of the moment not a continuous story, not a story of evolution and progress and everything after that. We remain, we were remaining in the glory and uh, we lost everything, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, actually, in, in everything that you just said, you managed to segue to the question and, you know, the the topic that I wanted to ask you about, and then you answered my question, and then you answered my follow-up question, which is, which is incredible, um, because but it's, it's not an interview; it's a discussion. No, no, yeah. absolutely. The best kind of interview. Absolutely. Um, no, I think you, like I said before, you hit the nail on the head because, I mean, we're all of us. Um, Costa, maybe to less of an extent, we all grew up abroad. We're incredibly, you know, proud Greeks and Olympiacos fans. And, you know, we reached the pinnacle and it's, you know, you use the word pity. It's pitiful, like, if you look at where Greek football is now. And the question that I wanted to ask you was, you know, why? And you, I'm not, we don't, we don't need to go deep into it because that's, that could be another podcast, but yep. you know, you mentioned like um, tradition, education, like how the Spanish treat football, like the academies, and maybe if I could ask 
one question that's kind of on the same on the same topic and it's about our academies in greece why why do you think it is that we're not able to produce attacking talent in particular in greece if you look at a lot of the the big sales the big export players that have come out of greece the last 10 years shall i say is mainly defenders and then you have a lot of foreign teams buying our players from our youth systems and then they get a, a chance to play in the big leagues and you see greek clubs trying to bring them back but once they're gone they're gone why would they come back so it's it's complicated it's a complicated question but yeah but, but and for olibiakos as well because we have that pressure to win every single game dinemoni one manager of ours called it in the past and he got fired because he said that in an interview you're talking about katanets yes yeah yeah i i i I, I know I understand what he was saying, but he said it in the wrong place, in the wrong context. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts generally on like development of, of youth and, and, and prospects in Greece and how that's managed? If you, if you have any, like again, I, I, I understand it's, it's a hard question. No, no, no. There is, there is something um, characterize the Greek mentality and uh, there is a Greek word unknown in other countries. The Greek word is uh, evelixia, flexibility. Flexibility, yeah. There is in Greece, not in Germany or not in other countries. In all other countries, there is a word, but not in Greece. This is patience, hypomony. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, you can pretty you can pretty much end end there. <laughs> right. it, it is that one right there, and uh, uh, we we talked about this, uh, Costa, uh, when we met at the Kareskaki. But I, I I want this to go on record as well. I want the uh, I want the fans to hear that as well because us as journalists, like we work whenever and wherever, really. And you said it yourself. Uh, Ert only had you there for three games, and you ended up being there for an entire month. Not just you, but pretty much every Greek journalist. And then you had the Olympic Games in August. So a lot of Greek journals didn't have a holiday in the, that summer. Did, how did that summer go for you? Did you have a holiday? Me? Yes. He was I in was Portugal. <laughs> my, my, contract, my contract with ERT was uh, only on the commentating the games of uh, Greek national team during that time and for the qualification around until the end of the of the competition and uh, at the same time i was working in the organizing committee of the olympic games honestly i cannot explain that but one year ago 2003 i haven't gone even one day of uh, let's say adia viacopes holidays because I would like to organize my work to be ready to go to Portugal. I would like to keep the days and spend the days in Portugal. 
I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know why. That was in the back of my mind. Maybe I thought that something good could happen. I was not a, a magician and I couldn't imagine that Greece could win the champions. Eh? Prosteu. But during 2003 until the beginning of uh, June 2004, no one holidays for me. No a day. Just to spend the days there. I was traveling before the games and I was flying back after the match against Russia. Working three days in Athens and then flew back to Lisbon for the match against France. And after the match against France, back to Athens. And then third time flight back to Porto for uh, the match against uh, Czech. And I was remaining till the end, flying from Porto to Lisbon. And immediately after the final whistle of the game, I went to a hotel roof somewhere close to, to the stadium Duluth, because there was um, a connection with a news program of ERT to say something. And then direct to the airport. And I was in Athens six o'clock in the morning. Oh. Monday morning, six o'clock, I was in Athens. Yeah. Even now, I, I can't believe how I did it. Well, I was in I was in Kifisian. We were almost flipping cars. That's how we celebrated the uh, <laughs> the, the triumph. I was watching it in the, in the Kifisian square with a big screen uh, in the square, and it was insane. Uh, we were basically trying to flip cars, and you know, we were shaking cars. It was it was something else. It was something else. Have you gone the next day in Panathinaikon Stadium? No, no. Like I said, I was 14 years old. My family were not a yeah. football-loving family, so I couldn't really hitch a ride to go there. I didn't go to Ammonia, where it was insane all the time. Yeah. So it was, it was quite a lonely time, but, you know, I still enjoyed it, and I still enjoy it every year. Okay. I, I, I Good memories. You, you are so old, I feel a little jealous, but honestly, I wish you to live and maybe to commentate and maybe to write something and maybe to, to enjoy and to celebrate better times in the future. Hopefully. I don't think that my generation can do it again, but your generation is, is hoping to do it and you can do it. Thank you very much. It's very kind. Yeah. There's, there's, always, there's always hope. And, uh, yes, of course, of course. And I hope that the next generation will be better than our the generation of my my daughters, Gen Z, and all the others, maybe more or less than you. You can do it, of course. Better in everything. That's the that's always the hope. Yes. I mean, and uh, on on that hopeful note, I know that we've kept you for for almost an hour already, or more than an hour. Um, yeah. If I can keep you, if we can keep you for two, three minutes longer um, going into interview format no, now from discussion. We normally end these discussions with, with some quick fire questions. So I, I'm going to ask you a question and you can give me a, a one line answer. They're, they're quite clear questions. So the if first, I can. 
the first question is who's your favorite footballer of all time greek or international anyone it can be anyone, anyone in the world anyone. this is just to, to to get to know you a bit better as as a football fan as a person like first question is who's your who's your favorite footballer who's the guy that made you fall in love with football <laughs> when i was very very young maybe younger than lambros and uh, you know i was watching uh, uh, football in uh, Premier League, and my favorite team at that time was Leeds. Leeds, yes. Nice. And my favorite player was Peter Lorimer. Oh, and yeah. Scottish <laughs> guy, yeah, with a very black boy. But of course, he was not the best in the world. He was in in my youth, let's say, favorite player. After that. You cannot say something uh, dedicated because football is always changing. Yeah. Football of 70s, for example, 70 World Cup of 70s was the first I was watching in television. The majority of you, maybe all of you, uh, you were not existing at that time, even in the mind of your parents, maybe. But believe me, it was a very nice tournament in 1970. And uh, the top star was Pelé. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but in another football. Mm -hmm. Then every decade, football is transforming, is changing so much. Okay, we can discuss about Pelé. What we can say after that about Diego Maradona? I was very li lucky to to meet and interview him in Thessaloniki when he was coming with Napoli to play against Pauk. And I met him and we have a very mm -hmm. nice discussion on that. And then after Maradona was coming the time for me for uh, a lot of Brazilian stars like Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Rivaldo and all top level players. And then the entire era of uh, Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah. And now we're going to another era. Yep. New stars are coming. But as the system and the tactical way of football is changing and transforming every day, it's very difficult to to be a star because the majority of the of the coaches are focusing in uh, in a tactical way. Sometimes in the past if you remember if you have here because you were, as I told you before, it was another time about Catenaccio and Italian football. Yeah. And everybody was accusing Italian football and Catenaccio. Oh, what is this? There is no spectacle. We cannot enjoy. We cannot amuse. What is this? Now, the majority of the clubs are playing like that. They have two or three different levels. And uh, maybe Barcelona or Guardiola team are with the tic tac and they change the ball and everything and they are doing the. The 90% the, the ball and uh, they cannot do anything. It's, it's completely different. But even now, you can watch players as we remember very well from the last final in Champions League and the whole Real Madrid uh, process from uh, March until the end of May. What we can say about Karim Benzema or uh, Luka Modric? 
Luka Modric, 36 years old, playing 100 minutes and uh, making a tackling against everyone in the in the in the middle of the stadium. They are top top level players. There are so many top level players. The only I can say is a very big and warm thank you for everything they offered to me. Many players. But if we we should try, let's say, to to make the, the top of them, I could say about during the decades and passing the decades, Pele, Maradona, Johan Cruyff, Messi and Ronaldo. Well, that's a fantastic answer. And it's funny you mentioned Leeds because... Which is your answer on that? So it's funny that you mentioned Leeds because the first kind of football tape that I watched, VHS, was a video of Eric Cantona. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the video was 60 minutes and 55 minutes of it was of him playing for Leeds. Yep. So uh, Cantona was for me the guy that, you know, made me fall in love with football. Uh, and then uh, and then Giovanni at Olympiaco. Yep. Yes. Um, so Giovanni, you, amazing player. So, you, I mean, you talked about star players and the different kind of systems and, you know, the fact that today, you know, football is very different to what it was when Giovanni was playing. Giovanni is one of those players that he's, he's a star and he doesn't fit into systems. And now it's all about the systems, the unit, the offensive transitions, the defensive transitions and playing as a team. So it's a great answer. That's why it's a great answer that you gave uh, because there's there's one for a kind of each different different era. But but those are my those are my favourites. Maybe Labro as well. Um, so much. Yeah, I'm going to expose myself, but actually my. Thierry Henry was my uh, favorite player, along with actually Robin van Persie. I loved Robin van Persie growing up when he played for Yeah, with Arsene Wenger. I love the football that Arsenal played those years. And even early to 2010s, they played really nice. And then it all went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now you have to become a Tottenham fan. No. No. Never that. No. no. <laughs> never that. Win something first. Yeah. Exactly. That'll be a while. Let's see. Let's see. Um, few more questions. I promise they're not football questions because I know those are going to turn into discussions. Um, yeah. The, 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 the next one. Um, what's your favorite food? Favorite drink? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a fan of Greek kitchen. Greek cuisine. Love yes. It. Yes. Especially. You can't, you can't go wrong. I was I was born in uh, in an island, oh, really? and uh, seafood is uh, is is my favorite. And which, uh, which island? Uh, the name of the island is Sifnos. Sifnos. Okay, I've been to Sifnos. Sifnos, and uh, uh, if you read something about uh, the Greek cookers and uh, the history, the number one, the name was Nikos Tselemendes. And he was born in Sifnos. I've been to his restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. He was born in Sifnos, and so the 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 local the local style of food in Sifnos is is very uh, familiar for me, and I like it very much. Uh, drinking, uh, I don't like Coca Cola. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, I like that answer. Don't like Coca Cola. Fine. Yeah. Um, fa favorite holiday destination? Don't don't say Greece. You can't say Greece. Uh, the area I haven't gone for holidays that I would like to go uh, is uh, Latin America. I have oh. I have I have gone in uh, in Rio, but for professional reasons in 2016 for the Olympic Games and Paralympic Games in Rio. Uh, but uh, my dream is to, to travel in uh, several countries in uh, Latin America, in South America. Argentina, Uruguay, Peru. I would like to travel there. Don't ask me why. I would like to travel there. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. As an experience. Yeah. Great. Um, I had one last question. Um, you can you can you can say no to answering it because it might open up another one. But favorite team? What's your favorite team besides Olympiacos and besides Nottingham Forest? Favorite team? All over the world. Yeah. yeah. Clubs or national teams? Clubs. Both. Both. Yeah, both. 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 Baxter, both. Uh, as I, as I told you before, my favorite team was Leeds United. Yeah. And it's, it's a story behind that because uh, I was becoming fan on Leeds after the final in Thessaloniki. Okay. Leeds against uh, Milan. Which they Lynch lost. United. They? Huh? They lo that, that was Don Revy era, wasn't it? Yeah, Don Revy era. They lost, yeah. they lost 1-0. Mm -hmm. But they lost 1-0 because of the horrible referee i ever seen in my life and he was a greek one. Oh, <laughs> yes i don't know that yes if you google you can see that okay. no time to oh. say the names <laughs> at the end of this match at the end of this match and i don't remember something similar in the football history they did the the triumph round in, in the stadium but not the ac milan winners the Lynch players because the crowd, all the stadium was cheering for them. Not because they were all fans of Linz United, but because of the referee style. At that time, it was Linz United. After that, uh, sometimes I, I like many, many clubs playing nice football. I was fan of Ajax during uh, previous decades when they did uh, an excellent generation and uh, huge production of talented players. Uh, from the country style, I was a lover of Brazilian football during the 70s and then. Now, I, it's crazy and some, some friends tell me, what are you doing now? But I like the majority of Spanish teams. I, I'm not, I, I'm hearing so many, let's say, fights, discussions between Barcelona, Real, Atletico and all these clubs. But I like all of them. Yeah. Yes. The, the style, different style, different style of Real Madrid, of Barcelona, of Atletico, but I like them. Excellent. Yeah, I would also say uh, I like uh, Bilbao, how that style of we're just going to play with players, I think, of our region and we're going to, and they've been successful I, I, in doing it. It's I incredible. I agree with you, and especially this season where Ernesto Valverde is coming back to. Exactly. To, to Bilbao, one of the best 
and the most important personalities I've met in uh, in football stadiums all around. Yeah. Not and only as a coach, as a human being. Ernesto was amazing and is amazing. And I would like to tell him good luck being back again in uh, in, uh, in his uh, lovely Bilbao team. Yeah, it's going to be excited to follow, exciting yeah. to follow to see what he does because they yeah. have a lot of exciting players as well. So let's see. I mean, yeah, which is your favorite team, Costa? Me or Costa with a K? Both of you. <laughs> Both of us. Uh, Costa, do you want to go first? Uh, well, uh, my favorite team, uh, boy. Um, I, I, you said you said you love the Spanish teams. I love the English teams. Obviously, okay. I'm a little biased because I've uh, I've spent ten years in England watching. It basically English teams are like um, are there's uh, my one of my favorite movies is Casino, and one of the characters is Joe Pesci, who plays a character called Nicky Santoro. And when Robert De Niro introduces him, he says, Nicky was the kind of guy that if you beat him with your fist, he comes back with a bat. If you beat him with a bat, he comes back with a knife. If you beat him with a knife, he comes back with a gun. If you, if you beat him with a gun, you got to make sure he's dead. That's what English teams are. They're like Nicky Santoro. You cannot beat them. And if you beat them, you got to make sure they're not breathing anymore. Uh, that's why I love them, because they're you think you have them down for the count, and they're not. Like Barcelona found that out at Anfield. When they were ahead 3-0, they went there and Liverpool made it made it easy, actually. They didn't have Mohamed Salah with them. So I love the English teams because they're just unbeatable. Yeah. They're just, they, they never give up. They are so tenacious. I agree with you. No, no, no doubt on that. But it's personal decision. Of course, of course. For, for me, it won't what, come as... What are you thinking when you are doing that? It's, it's... It, it, it won't come as... <laughs> It won't come as much of a surprise to you, perhaps, but for me, um, growing up, Manchester United, uh, with that team, just with the kids that came out of the academy, Giggs, Beckham, Skulls, yes, even Nicky Buck, Gary Neville, Phil Neville, um, and then adding a piece like Cantona into that team, you know, it changed the history of English football, essentially. So for me... For me, it was Man United. And then, like I said earlier before, jokingly, I, I was winning too much. And if you if you weren't from Manchester and you're from London and you supported Man United, everyone called you a glory hunter. <laughs> so so okay. some, of my mates, some of my mates supported Tottenham. And Tottenham had some good players like David Ginola, you know, Teddy Sheringham, yeah, yeah. Robbie Keane. Um, there were some like flair flair players that played for Tottenham and I enjoyed that that style of football um, mm. and then you know Barcelona the team with with Ed Milson playing defense defensive midfield and Xavi Iniesta in front Ronaldinho on the wing um, and Messi was kind of breaking through I think yeah. the year the year after that that team with with Eto Eto up front as well I really yeah. like that team uh, and and today Today I enjoy watching Liverpool. I I really enjoy yes. the the high press and just the relentless attacking and and of course when whenever Timikas plays it makes it it makes it even more enjoyable to to watch Liverpool play yeah. uh, nowadays. Yeah. I'm 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 
I'm unf- th- and I'm gonna maybe sour it at the end, but I'm not enjoying Olympiacos right now. But I hope yeah. that changes. Um, we need to be patient, and we are very patient. Um, yes. So let's see for the, the the qualifiers, and it's got a um, it's going to be an interesting an interesting year. We hope for the best. Yeah, that the, the team will be ready in twenty of July. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to see how it is, but I guess I'll I, I'll give away my favorite teams. Football is a spectacle. I love football, and uh, as you guys mostly know, my my mom's Dutch. She's from Amsterdam, so I was a bit raised on the Ajax school of football. So I love. I've been to the stadium a few times in uh, Amsterdam, and I just love how the Dutch feel. We come to the stadium to enjoy it and watch something good. And Ajax has this mentality: we're going to bring our own kids yes, and we're going to play yes, amazing right. football. So. I love Ajax and also the the Arsenal teams under Arsene Wenger. It was always, you know yes. what, we may get killed, but we're going to try and play football and we're going to try to play nice. And I I appreciate that. So those are Taking points from your answer and uh, going back to another question we, you, you did before about academies yeah. and Greek football and how they are doing. I think the number one point for the Greeks, if they if 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 they decide to create and uh, develop academies, it should to go in Amsterdam, watching how Ajax operating the system, and then try to copy and do it in Greece. Yeah. For but me, it's the number yeah. one model of academies all over the world. Yeah. And not now, not now, from 70s. Yeah, it's, all, it's always been like that. And I remember when I was younger, you could open a Dutch newspaper and they would be signing a player from Latin America and the newspaper would say, oh, this exciting player. It said, why are we signing this guy? You know, like we have blah, 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 this 19, 20-year-old. They're, they're kind of yeah. like, it's more so like, who is this guy? Is he even good enough? Like, he better be worth it because we're blocking blah, blah, blah's path to become a star. It's completely different than, than yeah. our reality. But it's different mentality. Yeah. But football is football. We love it. We like yeah. it. And... Uh, ready for another very interesting season yes. not only because of the club we we like and we support but also because we have world cup in front of us yeah, yeah. very let's say strange world cup in november yeah. and december and let's try how we'll run all the season for all clubs national and the clubs in uh, in all countries and competitions it's very strange and i'm very very keen to see what will be done at the end because it's different uh, let's say training approach at summertime another training time maybe during November and December for players not participated in the World Cup how will be the players participating in the World Cup after that and uh, how will be the top level teams after January yeah, it's 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 a very very interesting to see that for the first time in history of football, yeah. having a World Cup in the middle of competitions. True, Mr. Vernico, thank you so much uh, from yeah the, the bottom of our hearts for taking the time. We're recording this now. It's eleven o'clock my time, and it's midnight. It's Greek midnight. time, yes. so. Um, really really grateful for your time you are uh, you know you, you are the voice not only the voice of euro 2004 and this is the first opportunity that i personally have had to to speak with you 
Um, it's a real honor and thank you so much for your, your, your answers, the discussions that we had. And I, I love the way that you are so diplomatic in everything that you do, but also very clear. You don't avoid the questions. So, um, σας ευχαριστώ πάρα πολύ. Ήταν μεγάλη μας τιμή που μας κάνατε. Να είστε καλά. Thank you so much, Κώστα. Ε, όταν σε άλλες εποχές που η δημοσιογραφία ήταν ακόμα σε διαφορετικό επίπεδο, γιατί και αυτή αλλάζει, όπως αλλάζει και το ποδόσφαιρο και όλα, ε, οι δάσκαλοι μου, που τότε δεν ήταν πανεπιστήμιο, αλλά ήταν στον χώρο της δουλειάς, μου έμαθαν ένα πράγμα. Ε, δεν υπάρχουν κακές ή δύσκολες ερωτήσεις, παρά μόνο κακές ή δύσκολες απαντήσεις. Όλες οι ερωτήσεις είναι αποδεκτές. Όλες, ανεξαιρέτως. Ευχαριστώ πάρα πολύ. Να είστε καλά και να περάσουμε όμορφο καλοκαίρι. Δεν ξέρω αν έχετε κάνει διακοπές. Να τις κάνετε και να τις ευχαριστηθείτε. Επίσης, ευχαριστούμε πάρα πολύ. Καλές διακοπές. Καλό καλοκαίρι. Καλοκαίρι στα γήπεδα. Ελπίζω κάποια στιγμή να καταφέρουμε να τα πούμε και από κοντά σε έναν αγώνα, άμα τα καταφέρουμε φέτος, με μεγάλη μας τιμή και μεγάλη χαρά. Σας περιμένω οποιαδήποτε στιγμή θέλετε. Τέλεια. Να είστε καλά, ευχαριστούμε. Καλό βράδυ. Γεια σας, γεια σας. Καλό βράδυ. Γεια σας. What a nice guy, man. Lovely guy. Should we cut the broadcast real quick, though? It's yes. still going. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll cut it. I, I don't know how, when we're going to cut it, like editing. Should I say? And thank you all for watching. It's been the Gate 7 International Podcast. We hope you like this. <laughs> Oh,